Warning, the content in this podcast contains some explicit language which may be offensive to some listeners and may be inappropriate for children. Therefore, the content in this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So, would you fall in love with hip hop? Right here, what we're gonna do is go back. This is Capri. This is Mika. And this is Dante. And we have a special guest with us today. Hey everyone, this is St. Clair. And we are honored, one, because we you reached out to us and said, hey, I want to be on your podcast. Um, looking at your platform, I was like, wait, if this is real, I think... <laughs> we need to tell everybody where we are, though. We are in Washington, D.C., you guys. So that's even more amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and so you have quite a bit on your, like, in, as regards to your platform and, like, the things that you stand for and, like, actually being, like, an activist and things like that. So, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys, and thank you for making the trip. I'm so honored that you guys would come to D.C. for this. Oh, we was happy to come to D.C. Yeah. <laughs> we was happy. We, we needed a little East Coast in our life. You know? Yeah. Everything. Like, even the squirrels are brown. We were like, wow, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we like, they have the squirrels even have They culture. got dark, dark yeah. brown dark squirrels. Dark squirrels. Not just yes. regular squirrels. We had never dark seen brown that. squirrels. We've never seen that before. Oh, really? No, no it kind of tripped no me dark. out yesterday. No. We was walking into a restaurant that we was eating at, and I said, y'all, they're called Black Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of different. Yeah. yeah, it's a little hard for us. We don't get a little, a lot of culture. So coming here, just like being in the culture and submerged in the culture is really nice. Yeah. Really, really nice. Yeah. We've had a good um, weekend, though. We have. Um, we flew in all day on Friday. We did yes. not sleep our Friday away, though, this time. We did not. We no. did take the nap. Yes. <laughs> we did but we take set alarms and we yes. got up. Yes. We did and went and hung out on um, Friday. We ate. Kinda ate some seafood Friday. <laughs> um, <laughs> the slapfish, a snapfish is slapfish. slapfish. Have you ever ate there? No. She's no. vegetarian. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So okay. I can't like vouch on seafood, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really seafood. Well, it was seafood, but Ish. it was just different. Okay. It wasn't what we were looking for. Yeah, but it, it wasn't up our It wasn't like yeah. a crab boil or any of, like crab legs or any of that. It was like more of yeah. like sandwiches, like lobster sandwiches, stuff like that. Oh, like family crab, stuff, like or? crab cakes. Yeah, okay. Like that. Yeah. Shrimp burritos. Oh, that's interesting. It yeah, was. it was interesting. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't. No. Um, and then on yesterday, we actually did have a crab boil. We did. It was, it was good. Did you go to the war? No. Okay. We went to a place called Hot and, Hot Juicy. and Juicy. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Hot and Juicy. Hot and Juicy. Yeah. Uh, crawfish. Yes. Yeah. That's the name of the company. But it was like really busy and it was really good. And really yeah. expensive. And really expensive. <laughs> yes. But everything is expensive here. Yes. Because I went to the um, Ben's. Um, Ben's Table? What is it called? Yes, yeah, chili, chili bowl. Yeah. But I just got a hot dog and fries, and that was fourteen dollars. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the man in front of us paid fourteen dollars. Yes, fourteen dollars for it. But everything yeah. is expensive here. I know it's crazy. I feel like I don't really eat out 
that much just because everything is so expensive. It is. Like, I'll get a smoothie and it'll be like $10 and I'm like, what? I could have just eaten a banana. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 So it has been expensive. It's been pretty expensive. But it's been nice. It has been nice. It's been really yes. nice. I've liked it. I've enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. We went to the African American Museum today. Yeah. Did you have to get up super early? No, well, we had yes, to get up early to get the yes. tickets. Okay. So Dante did that for us today. And then um, we got there at 3 and kind of walked, kind of rushed around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it's kind of a lot. It's a lot. There's so much to see in there. Yeah. I still haven't seen everything. No, yeah. we didn't go on floors 2 and 4. Right. We only went on 1, one and, and 3. three. So, and did you guys yeah. see the basement at all? We did. Yeah. We did okay. the basement okay. first. That was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice. I got up at 6.30. Well, yesterday. Tried to get up at 6.30, but the museum was closed. And then I got up at 6.30 again this morning. Tried to get tickets. They didn't have any available. So then they said, keep checking back, like, after 9.30. And so I did that and finally got us some tickets at 3. Okay. So there was a lot of people in there. It was nice. A whole lot of people. Yeah. A lot. Yes, it was. But it's a lot to take in. It is. I think um, just, like, looking at everything and kind of just wanting to, like, read and kind of grasp the whole idea yeah i think it would probably take maybe like several trips or just several me. hours in one day like exactly. you would have to like get up and go early and maybe like spend your whole day there exactly like, that would I be exhausting that. i don't it know that be. i would be there like that that's why i said i need several it trips would be. yeah and it's a lot of process too <laughs> yeah it is yeah you probably wouldn't want to do that all in one, one day, day. Mm-hmm. yeah no. i would so. say wouldn't say okay so can y'all say what was y'all's favorite <clears throat> what's what's been y'all's favorite thing so far in D.C.? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm, For everything? I don't know. I don't really know. I've enjoyed the whole trip. Like, the silent party was nice. I had a good time there. Um, last night, we went to the park. Which park? Um, no, that's the name a, of the club. Oh, the park. <laughs> the park. The park at 14th. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. We went okay. there. So, that was pretty cool. We went. Um, but we had to walk, like, two and a half blocks, and our feet was hurting. Yeah. Like, we were running on heels. <laughs> like, I can tell you what I haven't liked. I, I mean, what I didn't like now out of everything, you know, is the whole walking part. But everything else been great. Yeah. I like the walking, but it's just that you can't go anywhere and, like, park in front of the establishment or wherever you're going. Like, oh, you yeah. literally have to walk everywhere. Which isn't yeah. bad. I don't mind the walking. We've gotten walking. in like almost 10,000 steps. Oh, that's Each good. day. Each day. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. have like the Fitbits or whatever they tell you? Um, Dante does. Yeah, yeah I do, but my phone okay. tells me also. Oh, yeah. And my phone tells me too. So like when I, mine doesn't say the steps, it says the miles. So we had like 2.7 miles the last oh, nice. two days, like almost three miles that we've walked. So I think that that's, I like that part. I don't mind that. That was kind of yeah, how it was. <laughs> <laughs> when we were in Not New York, I. it was kind of like that because everything was kind of. Um, we did the public transportation there um, when I took my daughter. We didn't do a lot of driving, but like the subways and stuff were like a few blocks from everything. So like you have to get off the subway and then walk to wherever you were going. So we did a lot of that. I like that part of like trips sometimes. I think, but yeah. I like walking, so I don't have an issue with it. So yeah. and you get to see more sometimes that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, and we got to see um, or meet the lady that owned Beans. Oh, that Ben's was chili. really nice. Yes, that was nice. The lady who owns Beans Chili Bowl. Oh, that's cool. She was there. The and she talked to us and gave us a little picture. bit of history. Mm-hmm. And we took a picture with her. Had you guys? So you guys had heard of Beans Chili Bowl? Somebody actually reached out to me and told me that it was like a real, you know, a lot of culture, pe- you know, go there. And it yeah. was like really popular. You know, maybe we should try it out. And it was nice, you know, just we kept on saying, so I think that's the owner. You know, she was back there flipping a burger. I'm like, oh, she came out and gave us a whole family history. And 
So that was nice. I she was really nice. She was really sweet. Yeah, she like embraced us really much. When we told her we had the podcast, she was like, oh, I'm amongst celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Vince is really famous. Right here. Like Obama went there. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that was nice. I thought that was really nice to meet her. Yeah. And the fact that she's 86 and just getting around so well, like I was just really impressed. Yeah. And then just how friendly she was. She just, mm-hmm. she was really friendly. And just, she talked to every customer, made sure, you know, their food was good. And, you know, the experience was good. Like, I, it's a very nice environment. And I like the, I, the fact that, like, it's staying in her family. Like, the way that she's passed it on to the different generations. Like, she talked about her kids and how her kids have gone to school. And she's got one that's got a law degree. And still, they still have part of the business. And they've expanded on. And how her um, grandchildren, who are currently in college, were under and sometimes they come and... They actually um, work, work mm-hmm. in the in the establishments as well. Um, one of her daughters has an establishment that she's created that's next door. I mean, so it's just seeing that because I don't think a lot of times that happens within our culture, within our families. Like we don't, we have, may, someone will find a way out or find a way to, you know, to create money and to build that um what am I trying to say? Like build a financial stability for their family and they don't really necessarily pass it down. Or if they do, sometimes the kids are not receptive to it. Exactly. A lot of times the kids don't want to carry on that. It's like, that was your dream. That's not my dream. I don't want to flip burgers and cook hot dogs the rest of my life. Exactly. Like that's your dreams. And so a lot of times when it dies. Or necessarily, but you know, you could skip generations. You might not necessarily have every kid who participates in it but maybe like one or two i think sometimes we just kind of we try with one set and be like oh it just didn't work and then go from there and then leave it alone or they just never want to do it versus saying okay well it didn't work with you guys maybe a next generation it would or maybe the next generation it would like it you could say i mean we live long enough at least to see at least three generations so then try it in all three of them and not just be like oh well didn't work for my kids so just going on so I think yeah. sometimes we struggle with that, but it was nice to see. Yeah. So keeping generational wealth. Yes. yes. Yeah. Building and creating generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Amazing Absolutely. to see. So, um, question: What is something you were self-conscious about as a kid? So, I was self-conscious about a lot of things. Um, like as a kid, I always felt like I was just different um and looking back my mom and I have talked about it a lot a lot of it stemmed from um I think when I started going to a predominantly white elementary school when I was six um because up until then I was super confident in myself I didn't care what anybody thought about me like little you know five-year-old St. Clair and then (laughs) and then as soon as I got to this majority white elementary school um Okay. That's fine. You're good. You're yeah, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so as soon as I got to my majority white elementary school, I just sort of started noticing everything that was different about me, like my skin color, my hair, even like my body shape a little bit. Um, And, yeah, so I just started feeling really self-conscious about mostly my skin color and my hair texture, you know, that I was darker than all my friends and that my hair was curly and not straight. Hmm. So did they bother you, like, pick on you about it, or is it just something that you noticed? Yeah, um, they didn't, they really didn't pick on me, which is 
which is really nice. Um, so nobody, you know, I never, I didn't go through, you know, the bullying that a lot of little black yeah. girls go through, but I was just constantly seeing how it was different, 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 and then I had, I did have um, a best friend who was um, part Chilean, and she had sort of like wavy hair, and so she was always, you know, wanting to like straighten her hair, and so that sort of also I think got the idea in my head, oh, okay, she's trying so hard to get away from anything curly or wavy, okay. yeah. you know, I should try to do that too, and yeah. So when you spoke to your mom about it, like how did your mom kind of like try to walk you through how that would look like? It's okay. You mean when I was little? Yeah, when you was little. I don't know, looking back, I think that I didn't necessarily express myself that well like I feel like I kept a lot of it in okay um and like my mom actually always tried to tell me you know as you know like my mom is white but she's always been really really pro-black and she's always telling me you know like you're a black girl you need to be proud of that um you know that's how you need to identify and it's beautiful and so she would tell me that and like tell me all the verbal affirmations but I just wasn't seeing and I wasn't seeing it at school I wasn't seeing it um, in the media and my, you know, my black side, my dad, um, I I only have my dad, well, now he lives in France, but it was only my dad here. And the whole rest of my dad's side of the family is in either the Caribbean or in Europe. And so Mm -hmm. I also was so disconnected from the black side of my family, specifically like any black women in my family. So even within my family, I was only just seeing whiteness and whiteness and whiteness. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so that really made you feel different. Yeah. So what about you guys? Have you guys had any, um, something that was made you, that you were self-conscious about as a kid? I was talking about a... my nose. Hey. Because I got teased about my nose all the time. And yeah, as you know, black women, some black women have big noses or black people in general. So that was something I was teased about. And so I was self-conscious for a really long time, but now I don't care. And it's I think the like same whatever. thing. I think it was my nose and my lips. Always, you know, I have pretty full lips, pretty big, you know, my nose is larger, you know, so I used to be always kind of self-conscious. And then as a child, like I actually, like you said, like your body shape, I've always had, you know, hips and, you know, how people, and they used to like kind of like tease, got little boys, you know how little boys are right. when you have more, you know, just being probably a little black girl, you know, you had more. More curves. More curves, exactly. And, you know, and I used to be teased about that. And I don't, I don't think I really care for that, you know. I am say, I always got teased for my weight. We've talked about that and how skinny I was. And um, it's crazy you say um, you didn't recognize it till you got to a school with predominantly um, white children. I went to a school with predominantly black kids, and they were just mean. <laughs> um, and so they called me, like, olive oil and... I was a stick. I was just always just really small and tall. So that was just something that I that they always picked on me for. Um, and then my hair. Uh, because when I was a kid, I always, like, um, was really conscious because I had, like, this, my afro was, like, all the way out here. Like, if you straighten my hair by the end of the day, it didn't look straight. <laughs> like, oh, that was like when my mama pressed my hair. Like, that was me every day. So, it's like, like well, my was, ponytails was, was, was a poof. That was me. Yeah, my ponytails are poof. 
by the time I got out, you know, it started off cute, but then it would be like this big old puff, or I would have this big old afro. So I remember that being something that I was self-conscious about. And maybe it, I, I was telling, who was I telling that this me. morning? Maybe we shouldn't have, like, mom shouldn't have pressed on her back then. I don't know, because I used to be, like, I look back at pictures now and be like, why? Like, mama, why did you do my hair like that? Least, oh, my God. At least she started off cute. I walked in the door looking yeah, a mess. Yeah, was so <laughs> At the end of the day, still looked a mess. Like, just looked a mess all the time. Like, but she tried to straighten it, but it was just, she couldn't. It was so get thick right. and so big. I used to be like, oh. But that's all they had back then. I mean, they tried their best, I feel like, tried to get it straight or whatever. But I think now we have different products and different. Definitely. Because, you know, we didn't do stuff like that that actually help our hair look way better. Yes. And also, I think it's more. Um, the education so i think like with the internet it gives you the education of knowing that your hair is not the only person whose hair is like that and there are people out here who have hair who's man that is manageable so like i think that that kind of helps too like in the wave of like being able to be natural and being able to manage your hair a little bit better now so because that's the only reason i think i didn't go natural for a long time because of your hair yeah i used to see my hair i was like uh when i didn't have a problem like they'd be like go natural like uh no I'm not going natural, <laughs> not at all. But somebody had to talk me into it, you know, probably about five years. I'm finally about five years ago. I was like, oh, well, okay. I was like that too because you look at well for me, I looked at certain people's texture. You know, everybody's texture is different, and I felt like if I went natural, my texture would be See, like certain too. people's texture. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want my hair to look like that. But then once I went natural, I was like, okay, well, my hair really isn't like that. Like I really like the texture of it is, you know, is manageable and yes what I felt was decent to me, you know, <laughs> not knocking anybody's texture or whatever, but it's just, I mean, it made me comfortable, feel comfortable with it. And so then I went natural. That was the same period. I think the first few times I kind of transitioned at first and the first few times I did, I was like, well, this curls ain't that bad. Why did my mama perm my hair again? Like, <laughs> why was that such a thing? But I begged my mama for a perm. I did too. Oh, I when did I was, too. I was oh, in I the did. sixth grade, I begged for a perm. I got mine sixth grade too. Yep, I beg for that perm. I did too. The so middle school years. Middle school, yeah. you know, maybe after you know, you think you get a little bit older, and they kids probably don't get nothing but Mina in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. Yeah. I was so like, cool. uh, can I please have a perm? Yeah. Like That's when this they start comparing not, you, yeah, to yeah. other kids, and you like, well, Com- her hair is straight, so I need some straight hair because right. now I'm walking around with my hair like this, but I want yeah. some hair like this. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. It is. And then I've heard like just being biracial is a struggle in itself. As far as like trying to figure out who to identify or how to identify, so I can. What's the blessing that you have a parent? Well, what, at least one of your parents said this is you know kind of gave you, like, a, a, an ethnicity to identify with. Like yeah. a lot of people get in like those tussles about like no you know I'm the white parent you're the black parent we're better or you have to identify with us and you have to identify with them and I think a lot of times sometimes that creates. An, an issue too because like if they don't get along the families don't get along or like you said you grew up with one side versus growing up with the other side mm-hmm. or that could probably be really hard too so just like being able to have somebody that you I mean the fact that she was just like here there's some somewhere you can identify so yeah. this is like your what will help you be I guess that's the other part like kind of help you find yourself mm-hmm. yeah so just to yeah, let you know definitely. yeah so have you embraced have you embraced what you struggle with or I would say yeah I mean I think that it's it's a it's definitely a journey you know and it takes a while but um when I got to college I think was really the first time that I started embracing blackness and 
seeing blackness as something that is beautiful and, and thus like seeing myself as someone mm-hmm. who is beautiful. Um, and I think that happened like a lot of my friends from college, like a lot of my girlfriends went natural um, freshman, sophomore year as well. Um, you know, once they were out of high school, once they felt like they could finally, you know, really be themselves. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, I do have days, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, like we have days where we want to go back where, you know, it seems like, oh, I would, you know, maybe just be more beautiful if my hair was straight or, you know, cause that's what we're conditioned all around us, you know? And so we can try as hard as we want to get out of that mentality but it's it sometimes it feels like I'm just constantly pushing back about all these uh, like against all these Eurocentric beauty standards that are just surrounding me, you know. And so it's like a constant pushback, pushback against that. So the speaking of Eurocentric, um, like standards that surround you, what do you think about the comments or the comments that have been made about Blue Ivy and Jay Z and? her looks and how looking like her father like what is your thought process have you heard about it yeah were they saying that that she was ugly because she looked like yes yeah Yeah, um i think i mean i i don't find jay-z that attractive (laughs) (laughs) Uh, me either Um, but you know yeah i mean that could also just be partly like i feel like his personality i'm not like a huge fan of so like i sort of conflate the two but um but yeah, I mean, I didn't think about it until I saw that a friend had posted, you know, you guys are just um, insulting uh, Jay-Z's looks because he has a lot of Afrocentric features and, you know, also insulting exactly. Blue Ivy because of that. And I think that that's definitely true for a lot of people. And so after that, like, I actually had to go in my, like, you know, within me and think, oh, okay, am I subconsciously also, you know, discriminating against more Afrocentric Features. Just having the nose and like we said, like you know, maybe mm-hmm. and we just feel that's why like, you feel uncomfortable once you see it. It just doesn't feel natural. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I guess you know of being conditioned to that. I think the standards, like she said, yes. You know when you you're conditioned to think that you're supposed to look this way, and you A think certain something way. is wrong with your features when there's nothing wrong with it because. You know, magazines, now they're getting better with as far as, like, putting natural women, um, even, like, plus-size women on magazines and stuff like that. But I think growing up, we were conditioned to think that our hair was supposed to be straight, our nose was supposed to be, you know, Small. smaller and slim, and our body was, you know. You are supposed I, to be a size three. Right. You know, and I think but, that we were conditioned that we, you know, if we didn't look like that, then something was wrong with us. And also, I think the representation of our, uh, seeing ourselves and others that look like us is important and I've said that on several occasions that I think it's important for little girls to see other black women you know big nose big lips um black features I don't have so I'm on the other opposite side of that I don't have a lot of black features and so what ends up happening is people say you're not black enough or you don't I so it's hard like um as hard as you guys think it is you know for you guys to carry your features it's hard to be absent of those features because then everybody's always like, you don't look black or you, you don't look black enough. Or when you try to like mix in or to blend in, even though, you know, I'm like, I'm not mixed with anything. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't get that from you. My mom and my dad are she doesn't. fully black. I mean, she doesn't, but I, I've never like looked like you're not black enough because no. her lips aren't big or she yeah. don't have like a huge nose because she looks black to me. She definitely But it, I mean, I can see like where some kids would 
but that's just them reflecting, you know, their own Back again insecurities on you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because right. they probably have like some really big lips that they don't like and you have small lips and they like, well, you're not, you know. Right. So you know how kids are. Just cruel. Right. I've so, gotten those comments too about, yeah, like not being black enough. Right. Oh, really? It's, and it's hard. Like it's, it's one of those things like you're like, well, what is black enough? Like, how do you, how exactly. do you right. be black? Like. I'm just what I am. Like, this is what I'm I black. was. I'm black. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I didn't know it was a state of being. I just knew that, you know, like, I'm, this is what I am. This is the shade of my skin. This is right. the texture of my hair. This is what my features look like. You know, um, I didn't choose any of this. And so this is what I have to embrace. And so I think my thing with the whole Blue Ivy thing is, I think sometimes as a culture, because we struggle so much within ourselves about who we are and what we look like, that we um, pose those same thoughts upon others. And we don't think about things that are off limits. Like Blue Ivy can't change who she is, what she looks like, the people that created her, whether her daddy is ugly, her mama's beautiful, none of that. I think she looks fine. Right. Yeah. But then to yes. think about it as a kid growing up and to be compared to your mom, who's a mogul, like that would be hard. Like, I think that she's got a lot already anyway. Uh, shoes, she, her, the shoes that she has to fill are oh, really big already yeah. anyway. Right. You know, and to try to be okay and embrace who you are, though your both of your parents are moguls. Like, both of your parents are billionaires and yeah. they've made their own way. And what you don't need is to be compared to your mom who you, I mean, like I said, you don't pick your you jeans. You don't but pick what you, what you do look need like. is a mom, like, just like how you have. You know what I'm saying? You do need a mom that basically, hopefully, Blue Ivy, even at seven. Hopefully, Blue Ivy, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z, however that looks like, you know, sits her down and that little girl is really confident in who she is. You know what I'm saying? long as you sit your little girls, because I used to always say, like, my first child was really, really light. You know, I used to be like, oh, he's so, you know, but then I always say, I want a really dark baby. I don't know why. I just wanted a chocolate baby. And she is so comfortable within herself. Like, I used to think at first, like, she was going to be really self-conscious because she has the tighter curls in her hair. And when I say this little girl, she she embraces everything about herself. Like, she is so confident. Like, you couldn't tell her anything. Like, if somebody was to say that to her, like, you, it, it would not affect her whatsoever. Like, she is so confident in who she is. But did, did you instill so, that in her? Yes. See, and I think yes. that's important. It starts at home. Yes. Like, it you, you got to be like, you know, don't let nobody tell you. You know, even if you're darker, you know, you're the darkest kid in class. It, it wouldn't matter because you're beautiful in who you are. And she is, like, confident, confident. Like, she is so, so confident in herself. You know, so I'm like, long as they teach her at home, you know, right. that she, it doesn't matter who she hears it from, Twitter, you know, all the social media it doesn't matter you know kids at school it does you know you look like your dad is thank you you know right. just maybe she'll keep pushing but you know hopefully i'm pretty sure you know and she said it seems like they were they're good parents in that sense so i would assume to think that they probably oh, yeah. do you know make sure they embrace her because i i mean i know you don't like jay-z but listening to <laughs> jay-z talk recently and some of the things that he's like talked about and some of the interviews that he's had He's very confident and he like mm -hmm. embraces his his background and like his mom being um, lesbian. And he talks a lot about like how that made him feel and how he's happy that she's actually embraced who she is and that she's in love with who she is and that she's finally able to speak out and say things like that. So I do believe that they probably are that set of parents. I bet who, they are because I'm pretty sure Jay-Z yeah. had to go through a lot as a kid. Right. You know, as far as self-esteem and confidence. I'm pretty sure that he went through a, a lot as a kid. I bet it wasn't as easy. So, and even for him to approach a Beyonce, like we say. 
Well, I mean, by the time I mean, but by the time he approached a Beyonce, he was Jay Z. It, it don't matter though. With, um, you gotta have that. I mean, sometimes, but she's you know, but mm, still. But like I'm, what I'm saying is, he was. He had he still was, had a lot of confidence. If he he was probably that, was. I don't think it would have been, been that far. Was, oh, <laughs> you don't know. You don't, I don't know. So. I, I mean, I don't but, think. I, I mean. It, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We exactly. all say that too. So maybe she saw a different Jay-Z than what we saw. And it could I mean, be his, so. like he's, um, I don't know. I just like, like love his mindset and his drive and his determination. And, and that's what she could have been attracted to. Of course. I could date somebody who looked, I could date Jay-Z or somebody even look just like Jay-Z if they had that drive and determination. Of I course. could too. Because yeah. that right there goes a long way. Right. Because it has nothing to do with looks at the end of the day. Right. Right. Yeah mentality mindset things like that so hopefully they are hopefully they're instilling that kind of confidence in her that they are but i just think that as a people we got to get past something some stuff is just you know people are like well people are being too sensitive about it and i don't think it's about being sensitive i think we have a long way to go in regards to embracing who we are as a people and we all know that we struggle individually and embracing us embracing our blackness embracing the ability to just be black in america and then you start adding things like comparing what such and such and such and such look like your hair is too long or her, your hair ain't long enough or your texture your hair too tight you know we already have all of this stuff that we've been that's been compiled upon us involuntarily i mean so just think about that kind of thing you know um Talking to my grandpa, um, one of the things he does, that's, I really like that um, lady that from, uh, what's the name, from Ben's Chili, because she started telling these stories and it reminded me of my grandpa who like, that's how he, when he interacts, that's what he does. He just kind of tells us these different stories about his life experiences and things like that. And he talks about, um, he's really, really dark. And so he talks about how um, when, you, when he was little, how they sectioned them off like in classrooms. So the lighter skinned children, fair skinned children got to sit at the front. The darker skinned children had to be sitting in the back. It didn't matter, all black kids. Wow. You had a room full of black kids. All the light skinned kids got to sit at the front of the class. The dark skinned kids got put in the black, back of the class. And I mean, and then like there's pictures of like where you see um, like in different families where like the fair skinned children could play in the front yard, but then the darker skinned children were put in the backyard. So there is some even amongst ourselves there's a lot of colorism and things that we have to unfold and un like deal with and i think it's hard when you put that on kids like let's break that like stop passing that on like let's not talk about our looks and our hair let's try to move past that part where we're not like degrading each other so absolutely Mm -hmm. i believe it which takes me to your book because your dear chloe book i just love the cover Thank you. Just how you have like different hair textures. Like what made you come up with that? Like with this cover? So, um, let's see. So actually I started, actually I don't want to touch that. I have another copy. (laughs) So in the front, um, I actually just had the idea to lay all the women out like this. Um. That's really to lay pretty. them all out, just to okay. see everybody together and like all the diversity among black women with natural hair. Okay. Um, and then I decided to put some of the women on the front and have Chloe, my sister Chloe, sort of looking at them um, as inspiration. And I tried to get a collection for the front cover of women who all look pretty different, you know, like different yes. in, 
hair textures, different shades of skin, you know, um, to show the diversity and to show that it's all beautiful. And even like different styles, you know, like locks, um, twists, bantu knots, afros, you know, like there's just so much within black it hair is. that we can do. So tell us how you came actually up with, you know, how did you come up with the whole, the name? I know, you know, tell us kind of how it started, how the book. So it started during, um, so my last semester of college, I, gra I graduated in December, so it was fall 2017. And um, my dad called, my dad and my um, half siblings, they all live in France. So my dad called me and told me that uh, my sister Chloe, who was then four, was having trouble with her hair. She was feeling really self-conscious about it, and she didn't want to go to school because mm. she was so self-conscious. At the and age of four? At the age of four, yeah. And she, um, just like I did, you know, she goes to a majority white elementary school um, in, the, in the south of France where they live. And... I was really upset, and, I, and it was something that had been in the back of my mind, because I'd noticed that, like, between her, between, you know, among all four of us, she's she has definitely, like, the tightest curl pattern, okay. um, and so every time I saw her, you know, every time she would come to visit, or I would go to visit there, I would always try to make a point of saying, hey, Chloe, like, I, I really love your hair, like, do you love your hair too, and she would be like, you know, we, like, yes, um, but, yeah, I guess eventually, I mean, with the comments that the kids at her school were making and then you know not seeing herself represented in the media I just all sort of caught up with her and so I decided that I would just collect um like testimonies and photographs and some video footage also of just a bunch of black women with natural hair to show Chloe something that she doesn't really get to see where she lives in France nice, nice. so how old, how old is she now she is six now. Okay. And yeah. so how is she embracing her curls? She, um, she's, she's starting to like them more now. My stepmom says that she is, you know, sort of asking for her hair to be out in an afro more. Which oh, I really that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy that she's starting to embrace that more. And she's such a, I mean, she's such a great kid. She's just so, like, she walks around, like, she owns everything, you know. Yes. Like, she's so confident. Um... And so I really don't want her to be self-conscious. I really don't want her hair to be the thing that, you know, ends up holding her back. I want it to just sort of be another thing that makes her even more confident in, in who she is and in her, in her uniqueness. Oh, that's, that's nice. It is. That's the question I came up with when I sent... So what do y'all think is the difference between self-confidence and self-esteem? Um, I think some people can have false self-confidence um, that's bred out of low self-esteem. Um, so when I say like self-esteem, I think you like really, truly embrace like things that are you, even your flaws and, um, self-confidence, I think is the ability to like, kind of put yourself forward and kind of be proud of who you are. Um, but I think sometimes what we see is a false sense of self-confidence when people have low self-esteem, because like sometimes some of that is being driven off of what they wish they had. Versus what truly is there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, I think, like, um, I have to think of, like, an example. Like, um, people who will put you down. Um, because they, like, they feel like, like, we've always, like, we talked about the other day. Like, you're kind of, like, feel like I'm 
I'm this big, bad, like I'm this good person. I'm a really good person. And how dare you not see that I'm a good person? Yeah. And I think that somewhere in the back of their mind, they're trying to convince themselves that they're a really good person. Um, but they want, so when you don't see that I'm a good person or you don't treat me the way that I feel like you should treat me, then I think that that um, false sense of confidence that they have starts to show that they have a, like a low self-esteem. Like it's something that they struggle with. What you think? You think I it's agree. a difference? Um, I mean, to me, it's kind of one of the same, but I think that, um, like she said, sometimes when people have like a lot of confidence, they're like masking something, they're covering something up. It just depends. Um, but to me, it's kind of, it goes hand in hand for me. You think it goes hand in hand? I, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I agree with what both of you guys said. I mean, I think when you are truly confident like when you really and like when you're when your self-esteem really is high then you know the thoughts of other people don't shake you you know because you're just so grounded in who you are and I feel like sometimes you can see the people who are like that you know who are just so grounded you know that it doesn't matter if someone else doesn't see it because they already know for themselves who they are Exactly, And I think that sometimes um, self-esteem, when you have high self-esteem, gives off confidence. A sense of self-confidence. A sense of confidence. Exactly. Um, You might not necessarily be, like, doing anything in particular. You're just being who you are and living your truth and living in who you are. So then that gives off a sense of confidence. Um, And I think sometimes, um, like, I love seeing um, women who are, like, the Michelle Obamas. Like when you see, like when she walks into a room, she doesn't have to say anything. She doesn't have to do anything. She just walks in and her presence alone because she's so confident in who she is and she's um, kind of grounded in who she is and the woman that she is, that her her presence alone is enough to for the room to feel, you can feel her presence. So I've always like loved women like that. I do, um, I do too. Yeah, one example I can think of about the whole confidence versus self-esteem that I've heard people talk about is, like, plus-size women. Um, how they, they'll say, like, you know, sometimes, like, they're loud and they'll act like they're really this confident person, but it's really, like, it's, like, let me make you laugh before you talk about me or let me talk about myself. You know, I'm so confident. They'll act like, I'm not saying plus-size, but just in general. Sometimes people will be like, you know, let me talk about myself or make fun of myself so that you can't talk about me. And then it'll come off as if they're being confident, but it's really like a low, I think it's like a low self-esteem issue. So that's why I feel like sometimes confidence can go hand-in-hand with self-esteem, but it really just depends on, like, the situation and what it is. Probably. I probably would agree. Like, I mm, somewhat runs hand-in-hand. You know, I think you have to, I think once you, when you embrace yourself and you come off really confident, you know, it basically, you know, it's it's based on your self-esteem in general. I think you can have periods of your life where you have high self-esteem or high confidence and then periods of your life where you have low self-esteem and low confidence. I think that there's a shift that that can shift as well. Um, I think sometimes it just depends because I think we're always... Um, a work in progress like we're always transitioning no matter what like so maybe I'm in a part of my life where I thought you know I I could take everything on and I could do this project or I could be this person at work or um, 
who I've always been would be able to get me through this period in, at work. And now I'm questioning myself. I'm questioning my ability to do this job. Or I'm questioning my ability to be this person I've always been. And so um, I think sometimes we criticize people when they go through those periods. And so sometimes it, it forces people to be in spaces where they feel like they have to project a certain image or have to be a certain thing out in the world or to others um, to not show like weaknesses or not to show that like I'm struggling, like I'm really struggling in this, in this part of my life. Um, but I just think it's human nature. I mean, I think in, with us being humans, you're confident in certain things that you do in your life. You know, you're confident, exactly. you might have high self-esteem in certain areas, but then you're not as confident and have, you know, low self-esteem in other areas. I mean, and as long as people understand that, I mean, I, I may be confident in certain things, but I'm not always confident in everything I do, which is normal. It right. is. And everybody just has to realize that, I think. You know, everybody has to realize that things are not going to always, you know what I'm saying? Like, you may do something better, but long as I stay, you know, and believe in myself, still but you know what i'm saying you may be able to do something better and you make me maybe people get intimidated you know at some level you know what i'm saying you may be thinking until you get around certain people you know and then you uh, and kind of question yourself about it but i think long as you you know stay believe in yourself so do you think the people that you hang around or the people that you associate with can affect your self-esteem and oh, confidence to totally absolutely. absolutely i think that like for me i realized that um when I spend more time around people who have high self-esteem, who are like very grounded, I feel that I myself am more grounded. And then, yes. like that's part of why working on this project was so great because these women were just so confident, and so I like fed off of that, you know. Yes. And I was like, oh, they're confident. I should be confident too. Um, and then, like for my experience, for example, um, I and this isn't like knocking anybody or anything, but I I um, had a friend who was like very conscious about her weight and like always like talking about her weight, her weight, her weight, her weight. And so that even made me start thinking about like, oh my gosh, is something wrong with me too? You know, like with my weight and obviously like, I'm like pretty skinny, but I, you know, so I even, even, even though I definitely, you know, don't need to lose any weight. I mean, nobody does, right? I started thinking about that a lot just because that was sort of like the mentality that I was hearing. I was hearing people critique themselves, so I felt like, oh, that's what I was supposed to be doing too. Exactly. So you started critiquing yourself. Yeah. And I think, because people that you hang around definitely has a whole lot on the way, you know, your self-esteem, I believe. it. I mean, just imagine somebody, you know, just always critiquing you and telling you that something ain't right. You know, well, why are you wearing your hair like this? Well, you, you probably need to get in the gym a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you heard that all the time, I mean, what would you do? You know what I'm like? Especially like, for, I mean, I would think people that you hang around like your circle should at least encourage you and push you more. You know, so I just couldn't imagine like, you know, you might need to work out a little bit more. Girl, look like you didn't gain a couple pounds. And could you just imagine like being around somebody that wouldn't. That I can see that pushed you to do better, like, you know what I'm saying, want you to do better, but it's always a certain way mm -hmm. that you should come about something to say something to somebody. You know, like older women, I always say, like, older women, 
Like, you know, sometimes they just don't realize how they say stuff to you. You know, like your grandma. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know how your grandma, baby, you didn't gain weight. <laughs> you know, so just like, I guess, you know, it just depends, you know. But I think your friends should always, as long as you, I think you're around people that's really confident in themselves, it does boost your confidence. Because I remember when I worked with this guy, and we used to hang around each other. We were really, like, cool friends. But he would just, he would always have something to say about me. And it would be days, like, where I felt like I was looking cute. And then he would meet me sometimes in the lunchroom. And he would be like, you look really flushed today. You just don't have any color in your skin today. I mean, you know, would just say stuff. And I'm like, well, dang, I thought I was looking good today. Like, dang. I mean, and he would just always have something to say. And then finally I told him, I think that you have a problem with yourself. And you just keep on talking about me, making little comments about me and everybody else because you are finding stuff wrong with yourself. And he couldn't deal with it. I mean, I'm, and I really feel, I remember, I'll never forget that. And I really felt cute that day. And he told me, you look really flushed. Like, you don't have any, you know, and it just, it really bothered me. So, yeah, I can, I can understand that how, you know, when you're around people and just the little stuff that they say, it can affect you. It can affect your day and have you look in the mirror like, well, dang. Yeah. And that's probably why, like, sometimes, you know, they say you have to tell your kids, like, even when they, you know, that they look, you know, like, you look beautiful today. You know, like, your little kids or something like that. So maybe they don't have to go off and hear it from somebody else. And, no, it doesn't matter, like, what the kids are saying at school. Like, if when you get out the car, be like, have a good day. You know, you look beautiful. Have a good day at school, baby. You know, maybe you just, you know, you boost their confidence where ain't nobody else. No matter what that person, that little kid that said something to them would never get them to a certain level, you know, as long as you installing them that they beautiful no matter what. So where do you think self-esteem starts? So we clearly say it starts at home, but what if you're at home and you don't get it? And you're mentally affected. And you're men- yeah. So you're mentally like- affected. Because that's where, when you talk about weight issues, so I've always had, to me, weight issues in my mind. And it started at home because my mom was always 100 pounds or whatever. And so I'd be like, I'm hungry. Well, you really don't need to eat again. You know, well, I'm hungry, you know, or she would tell me you only need to eat one today. So it does start at home. But I feel like if my mom told me, you know, you're beautiful the way you are, your nose is pretty the way it is or whatever. I feel like if I heard that from her, it wouldn't have bothered me so much when I did step out into the world. Because when I went to school, so what? I know my nose is cute. You just mad because you don't have a nose like mine. I think I would have felt that. But because I didn't get that from my mom or whatever, I think it affected my everyday life. Yeah, I didn't really, um, so my daughter, um, I always made it um, my thing to tell my daughter, you're beautiful. And I told, I've told her that all her life, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And so when she got to school and the kids, like, she's really tall, really thin, and she's taller than me, so she's thinner than me. Um, when she got to school and started hearing things like that, she would say, Mama, you told me people would say things like that. Or you told me, you know, people would tease me about my weight. But I don't think it's anything wrong with my weight, Mama. I, I, I think it's, I look just fine. And so um, one day we were driving in a car and we started talking about, she said, um, Mama, when you were little, like, did your mom talk to you about these kind of things? Or, you know, did your mom, was your, did, was that something your mom did? And I was like, no, not really. You know, um, I never really heard, like, um, I, I can tell you now, like, the first time my mom ever, like, stopped and said, you're really beautiful. Because it was always a critique about something. Um, my clothes, um, what my hair looked like. Um, when I got older, I didn't really wear makeup. And so she wanted me to wear makeup and I was just wasn't comfortable with it. And I was probably back like in my twenties. Um, just wasn't a big thing for me. And it was just, that was a whole deal. And then like, there was kind of got came into this 
time where she stopped and said, you're beautiful. And I was just kind of like, oh, wait, did she just say that? And then from there, she said it. But as a kid, I never heard it from her. Um, and I don't know if just she just didn't have it or if it was something going on within herself that just didn't allow her to give it to me that way. But I always just remember saying that, you know, well, from this point on, like when I had my own daughter that I would tell her. And then like I have my son and I tell my son all the time, you're handsome. Like, you know, just randomly throughout days, you look really good today, son. You are really handsome today, son. You know, because I think it's important for kids to hear that from home. But I don't think parents mean anything by it. I don't think they mean to like hurt your feelings or mean to like lower your self-esteem. I don't think they realize what it does to you or whatever, you know, when they don't do it. But it just helped me, like you said, to compliment my kids because I compliment my kids all the time. And it's just probably educational. I mean, they probably didn't, you know, they parents didn't do it. She did tell me I could sing, though. <laughs> could you sing? Tell, and you can't. No, I cannot sing. <laughs> no. So she, she was trying. She tried. She was looking at the wrong air. She was like, baby, sing that song. I was like, no. And then told my daughter she could sing. I said, honey, please don't listen to your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> She was always thought she was probably confident within yourself then. Yeah. You know, she was going to give you that confidence. Yes. You was going to be the kid that was singing and yes. dancing whether you could or couldn't. Yes, and, you could not and I did dance. <laughs> yeah, I did dance. But you know how like you in the car with your parents and like that song come on, you hit them notes like, eh, like everybody can dance. <laughs> but then, like you like to get on the microphone, like no, can't do it. It's okay. Yeah. My grandma was my hype man like that. So my grandma, so I remember when too. Whitney Houston first came out. And I used to sing the Whitney Houston songs in the middle of my grandma's um, living room. Okay, and I, I know I was too. all off key. <laughs> but my grandma was like, baby, you can sing. And my grandma, but my grandma was, she always told me how beautiful I was. She always told me how pretty I was. So I always had that to hold on to. Yeah. And then my aunt would say it. You know, just my mom, it didn't come from my mom. And I always wanted it to come from my mom. Just because it's your mom, you know. Yeah. And then the other thing is growing up, that's why I say, like, I can kind of relate to the whole Boo Ivy thing because... Growing up, my mom, like, she still looks like she's my sister. And so, so many people would be like, your mama's so beautiful. Your mama's so beautiful. And I would be like in these awkward stages. I got this hair that's puffed out to here. I tried to lay it down. <laughs> like, um, there was a stage in which I, like, gelled my hair um, every day with black pro style gel. Every day. <laughs> Clumps of it. We probably all did. <laughs> and um, I would have these, like, 20 headbands on my head. Because I done wrapped up my bun and it would hurt by the end of the day. But I probably snatched out the middle of my hair a couple times just the way I put them buns in my head. And I, <laughs> I would be glued down to my head and be so hard mm-hmm. just trying to have it straight and lay down. And just those days, I think sometimes I just needed her to say, you know what, you look really good today. And though she couldn't do it, um, um, like I said, it gave me the ability to do to be that to my daughter. And I get that they're not always like I don't think your parents she are always trying to this. She probably couldn't give you that compliment with that pro with that. Doing hair band, she was like, "I'm gonna lie, it's some days when my daughter looks a mess, and I'm not gonna give you a compliment because I don't want you to do that again." Like, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. My daughter said the same thing. Yeah. She was like, "Mama, you probably would tell me if I look a mess. I, I probably will." But at the end of the day, I try yes, to balance I it do. out. Everything ain't worth the. Compliment. I do. I say, "Go back in there. Go back in there, baby. Don't uh uh-uh. uh. Try that again. Yeah, you can't wear your hair like that to school. Mm-mm. Go back and try to." Again, and then she, I said, "Oh, that's good. Yeah, you did good today." Girl. Yeah, but I, I don't remember though my mom, and maybe it's just memory. I don't remember my mom ever telling me like you pretty, but I do remember my grandma. 
Because every time I went to my like my mom's mom's house, she always used to say, "Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're just beautiful. Turn around, turn around." <laughs> you know, as a kid, I'd be like, "Yeah, okay." I'd be turning around in a room. She'd be like, "You was so pretty, girl." She would be. I would be that kid. She'd be like, "Sing, go in there and sing Whitney Houston." Yes, I baby. believe the children for everybody. I'm like, "Okay, girl." She made me think I was a superstar. You hear me? And then now, as a grown person, you know, my mom now. She'll make my mom make oh. me feel beautiful now. You know, yeah. she that's my beautiful baby, my beautiful oldest daughter. I mean, thank you, mom. She says all the time. Yeah. So, you know, now, and I think she does that to my daughter now, you know, but I don't remember as a kid. But the maybe other, it's just. The other part is like, um, I kind of grasped some of my confidence in my body from my mom because she never made any, like, she never made it feel like my body was something wrong with it. So where she wasn't necessarily like saying like you're beautiful every day kind of thing, she did like make sure that we embraced our body. Because even like my sister, um, neither one of us have ever like just had like really weird or really strong like um, body issues or like felt like body issues. And even as an adult now, you know, if I if I take a picture and it's something I'm going to post online, I usually send it to my mom first because I let my mom tell me like, how she feels about it or if it's like something it should be like oh baby you work in that picture she's like oh you know and she'll say that you know if i had your body if i had the body you had i'd do it too you know um when i had kids it, it was really hard because you know your body's never the same after you have kids like they don't tell you that nobody tells you that in the books they should tell you like at five so then yeah. you probably <laughs> like, by the way, yeah. by, by the way, by the time you have kids, you're going to look down at your body and it will never be the same. I don't care if it always just goes back. Like, you know, some people have like snap back. Even if it snaps back, your boobs are going to be lower than they used to be or flatter than they were. Um, your stomach may be bigger than it was. You're going to have a mark or two that you didn't necessarily have. So nobody really did that. And she's always been really good at being like, you just have to embrace what you have. Like, you've had two children. Like, embrace that. You look good for a mother of two. Like, you don't look like you have two kids. You're okay. Like, she's done really good at, at helping me embrace that part. So. I think that's beautiful, yeah. Because our bodies, I mean, really... I mean, if, you know, if you have kids and, you know, you have a body that looks like you had kids, you know, that's beautiful. Because, it's, yes. because that means you've given life to someone. Exactly. You know? Right. So I think, that's easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you after you have You gotta embrace all the stretch marks and all that. All the tiger yeah. stripes, all the hold yeah. on when you doing hundred and fifty uh, sit ups, you didn't change your diet, you only eating carrots and <laughs> and you like you're still not going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so what other projects are you working on? Um so this is, I mean, this has been, like, my life for the past couple of years. Um, but, like, in the past, like, recently. Uh, and other question, are mm -hmm. you, like, the photographer? Yeah. You, you taking the own, your mm -hmm. own pictures in that book? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Those pictures are amazing. Thank you. So I started off um, interested in film. Um, so mostly I do, like, documentary filmmaking. Um and so this project for my sister actually started out more as a documentary project. I thought I was going to make it into a documentary. Okay. And then as I interviewed women and filmed them, I said, hey, let me, you know, take a couple pictures also. Um, but then as the project sort of evolved, I realized, okay, I want this primarily to be a photography book because I 
want it to be something that my sister can hold and look at, not necessarily through technology, but just sort of like exactly. carry with her. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this has been like what I've been doing for the past couple years. Um, I'm also really interested in immigration. Um, so I mean, especially being in DC, I'm sure you guys already noticed, right? Like we have people from all over the yes. world here. Um, so I'm really interested in that. And I did a documentary about, um, DACA recipients. Yes. Like, un- yes. you know, so undocumented youth. Um, and then in the future, I have a friend who is an asylum seeker. So I've been sort of filming her journey. Um, and then her final court date is like in 2020 or 2021. So that's sort of more of an ongoing thing. So she's, um, seeking asylum from, from Guatemala. Okay. Yeah. And is that, that's probably a really hard, I mean, I know we, we, you know, we kind of like take for granted that, um, we're just citizens Mm -hmm. and that we, you know, as much as we complain sometimes as Americans that we're pretty, you know, we have a pretty plush life for the most part. You know, you're not, you don't have anybody coming to your house, knocking down your door, like trying to kill you every day. You're not like in a environment where you know you have to worry about your life you know or you just have to flee you know (laughs) pack up everything in your house in one day and try to find you know refuge somewhere else like we don't have those kind of issues whereas some other countries really truly have those kind of things those problems Mm -hmm. so like how has that journey been like watching that for her watching her go through that yeah um i mean it's been hard um yeah, it's hard to witness. And I mean, my so, like, my husband is also um, from El Salvador, and he, I mean, he had to, like, flee gang violence and stuff. And we went back, and it was his first time going back in 2018. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really, I mean, it's really heartbreaking, like, seeing how much people leave behind, you know, just, like, packing up everything and going, because that's, because that's what they have to do to survive, you know, and then they come here and then they're like demonized here. Um, and then, you know, so my friend who I'm doing the documentary about, she's a single mom and she has two young kids who are like two and four. And so just trying to do everything on her own is really tough. And then sometimes I feel bad because I wish that I could help more. Um, yeah, so it's, it's hard, but I think also with like immigration, it's interesting because I feel like all of our um, struggles are so connected, even if they seem different, you know? Yes. Like, for example, um, what black people go through and what immigrants go through, you know? I mean, of course, there are exactly. black immigrants. Like, my dad, um, you know, black immigrant. But yeah, I mean, for example, like in the US, we have mass incarceration of black people and then you know, for immigrants, there's ICE, you know, so there's this incarceration, there's separation from families, you know, um, black people being separated from their families when they're incarcerated, like, you guys did an episode about that. Yes. Yes. Um, Girl, you've been listening, (laughs) yeah, girl! (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so there are a lot of similarities, and I think that, I mean, it's sad that so many people are going through similar things, but I think that the more we recognize how common our struggles are, the more we can really be there for each other yeah be there for each other and work together you know because together you know we are super powerful 
you know exactly right i think so do you feel the united states should be open to any and everyone that wants to come over or do you feel like there should be some type of regulation somewhere i think yeah i mean i guess like ultimately i do kind of think like open borders um because i don't think i don't think like as an american you know so like i'm an american citizen and then on my dad's side i'm also um a french citizen and so i feel like me having access to like these two countries with like all these resources and everything like i feel like it would be like it's not my place to say all these people from um you know developing countries who lack Mm -hmm. all these basic resources like i feel like it's unfair of me to say that they can't come to this country when i when i when i like was born with access to it you know Exactly. Um, And it's so, I mean, it's deeper than just, like, the current immigrant crisis, you know? I think it's, like, the U.S. has been destabilizing these countries for so long, like, if we go back in history. um, And even recently, like, with all the proxy wars and everything, like, during the Cold War, we've just been destabilizing, putting in, this is kind of my rant, but, like, putting in, like, U.S. governments. Um, and so, I mean, the reason why so many migrants are here is in part because of U.S. foreign policy. Like, it, for example, the things we've done in Guatemala, El Salvador, um, those places. And, yeah, I feel like we've destabilized their countries. And so it's hard because now probably there are more immigrants who need to find safety than, I don't know. You know, like, the, like worldwide, there's just so many refugees and maybe they don't all fit in, you know, the countries like the U.S. and European countries, but but it's also not fair to not let them in, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's my... So, I, sh- I think I struggle with the idea of, like, your kids, you've been here. Um, like, that would be, like, I always kind of compare it to, like, myself. So, like, if someone just kicked in our door one day and was like, you got to go back to Africa. Uh, I wouldn't know one bit about anything over there. Like, it, I wouldn't be able to just go into Africa, find a job, find some, you know, st- stabilize myself or my children and get it all together. Like, and that's just even saying that I'm from Africa. My family might not have even originated from Africa because I, um, like, one of my um, grandparents look back and we're like from London or something you know what I'm saying so don't drop me off in the middle of Africa I don't know that that's where I'm like that that's where I'm from so I struggle with this idea of just like picking up people who have been here all their lives just because they're not like legal citizens you know they came over with their parents you know who were seeking asylum from somewhere and like now they're 20 21 they get a ticket and you're like okay you got to go back go Mm -hmm. back where I was like, born here. I was yeah. born here. <laughs> exactly. You know, or even if I wasn't born here, I got here when I was two. You know, now mm-hmm. I'm 24 and I have two children of my own. I've been married, you know, and people are like, well, just. to the economy. Yeah, I'm contributing yeah. to the economy. Have not caused any issues? I just got a speeding ticket, you know, and now you're telling me I have to leave. Like, that to me would be a struggle. So then, like, I take you from here and then I just plant you there your children are born here so that makes them natural citizens maybe your husband is from here and you guys just haven't had the opportunity to you know you because i've heard that getting citizenship can take 10 years 
that yeah, it can take so can it? years. It could take a lot longer, and it yes. depends on like the process that you go through. Because for some people, there's essentially no legal route to citizenship. Right, you know? because you have to be able to have someone else who's a citizen who can vouch for you and things like mm-hmm. that. So I have a coworker who sits next to me, and she said that her daughter. Um, they went through and paid for her citizenship three times. And it's like $700 per time, each time. But by the time that they got her citizenship, she was 18. They originally started with her husband, but her husband passed. So then they had to apply under her. Um, applied under. They had to pay again, apply under her. And then by the time, but then she, her daughter became 18. So then her daughter had to apply on her own. And then wait for her citizenship. Could you imagine what that's, that's, I mean, and that's just assuming that you have that kind of money, that kind of resource, you know, everybody else got, you know, they have their citizenship probably the way they got it. But then like to assume that everyone just has the means to do that, I think is really shallow of us as well as a country. But I used to work with the guy. He was a, um, he was a supervisor. He had been with the company for years, but he, he didn't have his citizenship. And so every so often we would all like the, you know, everyone in the company would have to sign like a petition and, you know, he would collect a lot of signatures or whatever and they would take it back. And then maybe a year or two later, whatever, he would go up for review again or whatever it was. I don't know if it was like a temporary visa or what it was, but I just remember having to sign multiple times and then eventually he finally got the citizenship, but it took forever. It seems like and yeah. just the fact to have to, you know, get signatures and just go through that whole process. Right. I mean, I understand it to a certain degree. I think my main thing is, um, like you said, whenever they separate kids from their families and they, yes. they're putting these kids in these facilities and, you know, without care and a lot of kids are getting raped and they're just not being looked at. Who's that? Oh, that's my husband. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see a black phone. I'm like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> We're just talking about immigration. Oh, okay. Let me just wash my hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, and then um, we've gotten, um, we're starting to get some of those cases, and there's absolutely nothing you can do because part of most of the families. So I work um, in child services, mm-hmm. so a lot of the families, unless you can find someone who's legal, there's no way to put those kids back with their family. So you have a whole family who's who's kind of basically moved here trying to seek asylum or whatever. And you have an aunt, you have an uncle, you have grandparents, you have, you know, over time they've all just kind of come here and then, um, something happens to the mom. You can't leave them with their natural family because there's no way to do background checks. There's no, they don't have citizenship. And unless someone in the home over the age of 18 is a citizen. So like, even if like, so say for instance, they've had children, if hey, they, uh, I'm Victor. I'm Sorry. Victor. Hello. Um, We're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> All right. But okay. even if like they have, um, so if they have children who are natural citizens, you could go under the natural ch- the children, but they have to be 18 or older. So, like, we have a case currently where we have a set of children. There's no one here that you can give them to because all of the adults, none of them are citizens. And the only citizens are children, but the the oldest one is 18. It's, like, 16 years old. So, there's no way to even, like, run background on him to try to even place those children in their home. So, then you're adopting them out to random people, but they have have family. Yeah. It's literally, it's like stealing children. Yes. There have been cases of that, right, where, like, the, the... the parents are undocumented and they'll say, okay, well, I'll take my kid back with me to my home country. And then 
against their will, they'll just send off the kids to be adopted mm-hmm. by American families. That's yeah, because I feel like you should, like, if you're going to send me back, to send my children back with me. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're citizens. No. <laughs> If exactly. you're sending me back, but are you able to take your kids back if your kids? No, are, you can't. No, because they're not so the, they have a parent. So one of their parents is already deployed, um, deported. I mean, do the other country have the same stipulations that we have as far as like citizens? The problem is we we know. have them in care. So because we have them in care, that's a legal process that someone has to go through to get them out of care. So there's no way to even get because if you leave and their parent, if both parents are deported. Say, for instance, whatever happens, both parents are deported. There's no way for them to legally work the system to get their children back. So they're not giving them back. What they do is they adopt them to other families. And you're just left without your children. So there's no way for you to get your kids back. Which sucks because you should have the option of saying, like, if you're going to deport me, send my children with me. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to send me back, then you need to make pack up my kids and send my kids back but I'm, with me. I'm saying, like, forget the legal part of it as far as, like, if both of them were deported. What I'm saying is if they were going back to Mexico, will Mexico accept U.S. citizens to move into their country even though they're the kids of the people that are from there? That I don't know. I think I think that they would do... I think that on, like, the Mexican side or the... For most, for most other countries, right, I think if you have a parent who's a citizen of the country, then, you, then it's pretty easy to get... Citizenship, citizenship. As a kid, okay. like under 18 I I think because I know okay. there are cases of like US citizen kids who live back in Mexico for example okay. with their parents um, and that's like a whole other thing of being American and then growing up in exactly Mexico. right so if you're yeah. yeah I mean so I just think it's a lot again if, if I don't know anything about the culture I'm not from there granted I have the culture that I have for my family but I am probably quite Americanized and then I have to get sent back somewhere I don't, I'm not familiar with. I don't really know the lay of the land. And you just telling me you gotta go, like. And then you may not be accepted, exactly, because you're like an American. You're Americanized. Mm-hmm. You're different, right? So I struggle, I think, a lot with that idea of the fact that we just kind of like, uh, whatever, just send them back. Send them back where, you know, uh, that would be like someone picking you up randomly out of your house and just taking you somewhere, dropping you off and saying, oh, okay, this is where you were from. So, you know, when I looked at your birth certificate and traced your family back, it said Italy. You going to Italy. <laughs> like, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> your fam- It said yeah. Germany. So, um, your family was part of the Holocaust. They came over here for... Re- okay, so... Since that was the case, let's trace you back. Um, okay, back to we're Germany. Gonna take, we're going to drop you off in this vicinity. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> this area. Like, huh? yeah. <laughs> 100 mile radius. Yeah. Somewhere around here. Yeah. From somewhere, yeah, somewhere in this area. We not, we're not exactly sure. But that would be crazy, though. Do you know anybody that's been deported? Like, personally? Um, let's see. I knew... Um, well, I never, like, met the person, but he was in a detention center in Georgia for, like, a year and a half. Um, and then, actually, yeah, the, the woman who I'm making a, a documentary about, this is her ex-boyfriend uh, who, like, sh- she came over here with, and he was in the detention center for, like, a year and a half, and then he was deported. Um, but he never actually got out of the detention center. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, personally, I don't know anybody, thankfully, who's been deported. Um but I know, I know, like in El Salvador, like I met people who were deported back there. Okay. What does that look like? 
to them like what do they say like their story is like yeah it's it's hard um because you like, could be going to like a third world country where there's like they're already struggling mm-hmm. i mean like they're struggling with everyday necessities and food and like things like that are you sending me like when you pick me up and drop me off do i get to take my money with me my personal belongings like what if i have like pictures or stuff that's sentimental and you're not letting me take anything you're just making me pack up i mean that's what i'm assuming yeah, but some people like depending on how they are taken like if ice just takes you you know you don't have the opportunity to collect your things like that does happen to some people and they and they then you just there yeah. with nothing. Cool. They can't say that goodbye. Is. They can't, you know. You don't say goodbye, nothing. But you don't even. What if you put money up? What if you had money, like you were saving money, or you had money in the bank account? What happens to your money? It's just gone. I don't know. Just give. If you're gonna either. deport me, give me an opportunity to get my affairs in order. Give this. I mean, <laughs> ship something I mean, back. Yes. I mean, give me the opportunity. Like I just think that's cruel. Like I get that you feel like I'm not supposed to be here, but give me an opportunity. But if you've actually worked and you know order. you did things, you but had. a lot of them are a lot. A lot of people are working. And I, I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And pay taxes. But I'm saying taxes. like if you're doing that, why not allow me to? If you're going to deport me, deport me. That's fine. You know, not saying that's fine, fine, but... but Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If that's what you're going to do, and I have no choice. Right. Is what I'm saying. At least allow me. If I've worked all this time that I'm here, because nine times out of ten, most of them do work. When do you really Mm -hmm. see somebody that's not over here just not doing nothing? You know, at least give me opportunity to take back what I've earned. You know, I've rightfully earned this. Right. Or if I have money, send it back to the country that you're sending me to. Right. Mm -hmm. Send it back with me. I just think that they should be a little more reasonable instead of just being cruel and just, you know, making a person leave because you feel like I'm not supposed to be in your country. But that's the way that they're doing it. That's just like, you know, the separation of the kids and the families at the borders. Like, you got a mama and daddy over here and you got kids, a whole detention full of kids. Like, well, why don't you just leave them all together? And then figure out what you need to figure out from there. Right. Like exactly. Yeah. There's so, so much psychological trauma, and I feel like it's so intentional. Like they do mm-hmm. it on purpose. You know, I I told someone one day. I said the sad part is this: we're doing all of this psychological like um, trauma to these little kids that we're gonna have to grow up and deal with their trauma. And we talk about terrorists. We're creating terrorists. Mm-hmm. We are creating little terrorists who are going to have this. Um, a lot of animosity. A lot of animosity. Yes. A lot of built up. Yes. Yes. Because yes. if you took me from my mom, my dad, I never see them again. My mom and dad get sent back. You leave me here because you found my birth certificate or whatever, and you just give me to some other family and siblings because some right. are separated from their siblings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're building in me this animosity or this hatred towards you, your country, who you are, your values, things like that. And one day we're gonna we're gonna see that trauma somehow. And that's how you build terrorists. That's how you create little terrorists. I mean, I know that that sounds like we hate to have those conversations and to be realistic about it. But in reality, that's how you create them. That's so true. Like in in France, there's, I mean, just as, you know, here in the U.S. too, there's a lot of, um, what is it, Islamophobia. And um, so there was this, I don't know if you guys heard of it, there was this magazine um, called like uh, Charlie Hebdo, and they were just always putting out so much like Islamophobic things. Like they they posted and just racist. Like they posted um, Michelle Obama like as a monkey. Like they were just always doing all these things. And then um, there was like a terrorist attack against I guess I think the headquarters of it. Oh wow. Um, and obviously like that's 
that's terrible and you know um but it is something to think about you know it's like they created you know they just put out so much negative hatred towards these people Mm -hmm. of course these people you know again not defending them but of course they are gonna feel some sort of Mm-hmm. animosity and attack. Mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if you separate me from like it to me and everybody doesn't deal with it like oh okay well you know and the other thing i've learned is that um some families some kids um get stuck so say for instance your mom you are a natural citizen your mom gets deported but you know you don't have access to your birth certificate you don't have access to your vital records because you don't have the ability to get that. Like I was watching something where a girl was saying that she's um, she can't really she can't go back and forth. So her family is in Mexico. She still lives in America, but she can't go back and forth because she can't get like a passport. She can't get the documents that she needs. Mm. Um, and then like some of the parents um, that like live closer to the border, they can't get documents for the kids. So when they go to the vital, st- vital statistics, because you have to have certain documents, approve certain documents to get documents, mm-hmm. they don't have those. Exactly. They have the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I naturally had this child as an American citizen, but I can't get my child's documents. So then these kids never have their documents because no one can obtain their documents, um, which is a catch-22. Um, because they feel like the their kid, the kids are these people are having kids to stay in America. I mean, either way, like you still have to go through a process to get citizenship. You don't just automatically become a citizen once you have a kid. But it was just kind of harsh listening, listening, because she was like a, oh, it was like a DACA series. Is what I was watching. Oh, so the person had DACA. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because with DACA you can't travel out of the country anymore. Yeah. Like she was just kind of stuck. So my family's there. I can't even go back and forth and see my family. She was saying it had been like five years. Um, mm, she crazy. can't go back and forth to see them. She get nothing. She's stuck. So what is, I mean, isn't DACA that, um, something that Obama put into effect, like where they were going to college and stuff like that? Yeah. So it, it gave, um, there were like specific, like really specific, um, eligibility requirements for it, but essentially it was, um, people who had been brought to the country, or people who came to the country when they were under 16 within a certain like time frame and were undocumented and so DACA just gave them um, like a temporary social security number um, actually no I'm not sure about that it gave them no I don't think it gave them a social it gave them um, work permits so they were able to okay. work and pay taxes right and pay taxes yeah um, and so because of that a lot of them were able to like work jobs that weren't under the table and actually make some kind of wage and save up, you know, to go to college and stuff. And then with more awareness about DACA, there are more scholarships um, for students with DACA because, like, if you're undocumented, there's so many things you can't apply for, like FAFSA, like, you know, I don't know what I would have done without FAFSA. Like, you need FAFSA, you know? (laughs) Right. So it did give them a lot of opportunities. But but we definitely, I think, need something more because, I mean, you can't even travel with DACA you know you can't go out of the country you can't see your family and it's not it's not like there's a pathway to citizenship it's just sort of like this temporary thing and every two years you have to spend all this money renewing your DACA so you can renew your work permit so you spend money just to be able to work and hmm. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. money making things it like. is <laughs> I think they, like it was a big issue with the DACA because they weren't 
they felt like they weren't protected, which they, they're not protected, but it was because they were able to, you know, work, like you said, regular jobs, regular pay, paying taxes, um, you know, contributing to the economy and everything. And then now you're telling me that I, it's a possibility I could be deported. Yeah. Like, where's the protection? Mm-hmm. So it is right. And I mean, I'm, I was good enough for you to take my money. Exactly. <laughs> pay taxes. Pay taxes. taxes out uh-huh. my paycheck, but now you're talking about I need to go back to a country that I haven't been to in years. If I've ever, you know, if I've ever been, if I've ever exactly. been, or I don't even remember if I came when I was little. Right. So it's I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So um, any like future? Pro- I mean, like I I really want to see when do when do you actually release, dear Chloe? So the book is going to come out in the spring, end of April, beginning of May. Of okay. this year? Of this year, yeah. Okay. So where will it be available? Uh, on Amazon, on my website, on eBay, okay. and um, hopefully bookstores. And I want to do some release parties also. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. You'll have to give us heads up and yeah. we'll see if we can make it out so we can go exactly. to some of the release parties. Yes. That would be nice. That would be. That would be great. The book is amazing. I can't wait to like actually get a copy. Um, I'm like looked at. I was kind of sneaking through <laughs> a little bit on um, with your copy on the table here, but it's a really nice book. That Thank is a really you. nice book. I yes. can't like um nice. we in my family um I was the first to go natural, and then my mom and sister followed behind, and then we never permed or processed any of the kids, the little kids. So, well, my daughter, I did, but um, outside of that, we haven't. So we've just kind of taught them to embrace their hair and their texture and whatever it is and we teach them how to manage it and things like that so we've never like started the process of like processing their hair um so i would really love to share that book with them i would i think all of our daughters because my daughter's natural your daughter's natural yeah and my daughter actually went natural before i went natural and she went natural on her own i remember i put the last perm on her hair when she was maybe 11 or 12 Uh and she was like i don't want another perm and i was like um but who's gonna comb your hair (laughs) (laughs) and it was a struggle at first but um you know then she became of age to where she was able to do it and manage it on her own but i mean i did appreciate that about hers it was like she didn't care you know what anybody else thought she was like i want to be natural did she inspire you to go natural she did she did yep and her hair is a lot thicker than mine her curls you know a little tighter or whatever but um but yeah she did inspire me to go natural but i was really proud of her for that because you know i don't know i just didn't embrace it at the time because i was used i always wore my hair like that just straight and it's and it's not because you know i'm trying to look like something it's just easy for me you know, I just wear it like it's, that. It's it easy is to put easier. It in the it's just easy. And when I started the natural transition, um, I would get discouraged because I would get on YouTube, and YouTube would have you thinking you can do all these styles with your hair. <laughs> and then I'm rolling my hair. I'm like, this is about to be it. Then it takes about 24 hours for it to dry. And then you, you take it out, and you like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> See, I haven't did that yet. See, and I'm, the, the, I, um, I, I don't wear, like, I don't wear, like, that. I didn't want to do that because everybody kept saying, oh, and then, because it's expensive. It's to be yeah, na- it natural, is. It is. you know, if you actually wear your hair like, like if I wore the curl, you know, it, it is expensive. So I don't necessarily wear it curly either. You know, I normally wear my hair straight, even though I'm natural. I still wear it straight. I just don't put, you know, the perms in it. But it's like my daughter does, and so I still have to go buy, you know, the shampoos and the conditioner <laughs> and the curl this and the this and this. 
I mean, but you know, it's it get expensive. It, it does. get really expensive. And I don't understand why it is so expensive. Like I have to tell people, like I always say, find one product that works for you. Yeah, because, but you might spend two hundred dollars. Yeah, you, you would. Right, but that's the problem. So like when I first get, was natural, I remember like watching YouTube videos like you and thinking, okay, so I'm gonna try this. You go get all these products that she got, right? You didn't think about the fact that she was sponsored and they just sent her the products. But (laughs) nobody thought about that. So you go get all these products. You try the hairstyle. It does not come out anything like what her hair looks like. And then you stuck with all these products because either they're too heavy for your hair texture or they dry out your hair texture or they just don't work. Or they're just too expensive. Like they're 30, it's a $30 bottle of like two ounces worth of hair lotion and that's the thing like with black people that i didn't even realize that our hair is so different you know like everybody's hair is different whatever those numbers are whatever and that's when i realized that my hair was different from my daughter's hair because product that would work on her hair wouldn't work on my hair and vice versa so at least Mm -hmm. when i did buy something i was able to just you know pass it on to her but then eventually i was like forget it I'm not buying anything else because everybody will be like, well, go buy this and you go buy it. And it yes, that's well, a thing. No, you don't need to get that. Go get this and you go get it and it doesn't work. So finally, I just got discouraged and just started doing that again. I know this works. I've worn my curls um, for years. I've worn my curls and um, just in the last maybe about six months, I've straightened my hair, but I do that. I kind of transition back and forth between the two. So you do it all the time though. Yeah, transition back yeah. and forth. Yeah, I'll go back and forth. So it'll be some Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm tired of wearing straight hair. I'll just wear curly hair. But it's discouraging because you have like heat damage. Those are things that people don't talk about. So you got these ends. It's mm-hmm. like you're, you're natural, but you got all these ends that got like this much. You know, you got five inches worth of straight hair and then maybe two inches. <laughs> like, so it's not cute. On one side, it does really good. The other side, it won't. Or when you process it, like when you color it, it um, that sometimes creates an issue too. But I think it's just a matter of learning your hair. I, my biggest um, enjoyment of being natural wasn't all the products that I spent or even all the time that I spent on YouTube looking for um, what's the name. Because I used to do that for hours at work. I used to do that for <laughs> hours. I would be on YouTube looking up oh. different videos on how they tried this and how they did this. But it was just the process of learning about my own hair. Because, no, I had never been through this process. I didn't know what my own hair looked like. I didn't know what my texture was. I didn't know what worked. Um, I didn't even realize that, like, I have a texture that you can't put a lot of. You can't put a lot of product in my hair. It just weighs it down. It's trial and error. Right. It's a lot of trial and error. And you just have to be really patient with it. So once you get to this point where you're like, okay, I'm patient. You know, I figured it out. There's going to be some bad hair days. (laughs) There's going to be some... um, you got up, hold on, you you did your hair at night, you got up the next day and it's still not dry. So you now you gotta try to figure out like so what am I gonna do with it? And I gotta go to work. And I gotta go to work. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I probably never do that. That's why I never well, let's really. define natural because natural is different for different people. So what is your definition of like natural hair? Would you like you know, taking the different photographs and like, you know, interviewing different people? Yeah, so for um I know there's so many different definitions of natural like we were talking about before um for this book natural was people who um i was photographing women who had their natural hair texture um so like their natural curly hair texture or if they put it in locks you know Mm. 
like their natural locking style. Um, yeah, so that's what I did for my book because I wanted to show my sister, like I think the that... Curl. Yeah, because yeah, I think that the media shows us you know some people have pointed out like maybe she'll she'll want to straighten her hair her hair and that's okay um but the media only i feel like shows that straight hair is okay but it's important for her to know that curly hair is also okay like it's all beautiful you know and it's important you know for that option to be seen as as beautiful you know you shouldn't have to straighten your hair if you don't want to. You exactly. Know? Yeah. You should have an option. Yeah. And I think the if thing you is we wash have... wash it, go, just go. Right. Yeah. We have so many options. And I think that the idea of the fact that you only have one option, I think um, when you define... When I define natural, I think of what works for you. Colored, uncolored with... I mean, some people say colored hair is processed. It's not natural. But it don't change my... I mean, it may change my texture depending on what it is. But I promise you, I still work just as hard to flat iron... <laughs> To, to straighten them curls Shoot. with this color. When we, when we came down here and then her got wet on the way there, I'm I was still. like, ah. I said, Capri, got wet. It, was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like this. Right. It, was not like this. Right. it was not like this when I got her. Right. Not still, like this when I got her. I was like, I, look here, I still need an umbrella, a cap, or yeah. something in the water. If I jump into the swimming pool, I still got to worry about what it's going to look like okay. when I get out. So um, that to me, I think is just natural. That's that would be what I would define as natural. Yeah, because you still gotta. I mean, I still I think anything just not perms process. You know, I never thought about like color being unnatural. You know what I'm saying? Because I guess it would be processing it, but I don't think perms is unnatural. I just think the whole you know not putting perms on it and being you know just a te- you know texture. I just don't choose to wear it curly, but you know it's natural. You know, right? Yeah, I agree with y'all. Like the whole. Just not putting the perm because the perm is to straighten your hair, and I think yes. as long as you're not trying to straighten your hair, you're just wearing wearing it in its exactly. natural state, right? Because if I go grows. wash it, it's gonna be just yeah. like <laughs> even, though, even though you have color, it's even though you have curly. color, and it may change even a little though, bit, you're still growing it out of your head in its natural state. Yeah, right. The way so that it is, that's right? Natural because right. it it curl tight. That's for sure. When it goes, yeah. So I think natural is you know still right. It is still gone. That texture can change real quick. Right. So, yeah. Don't look at my hair like that, Dante. Because your hair, I guess Dante <laughs> don't do it, though. Because you straighten yours too much. Yeah, so, yours never girl curly. But in the middle, like all up in here. It is like, curly. It's curly. Uh-huh. See, my whole head is curly. It is. Yeah, my whole head is curly, yeah. too. It can be. There. So, my if I wash it, that's why I have braids. But, but me, I wear a lot of protective styles, too. I don't really wear my hair down. So, it's yeah. a big difference for me. I don't yeah. really... Do the whole, because I'm not the whole straightened type. Y'all know I ain't finna, this is too much to me. It's been a a struggle this weekend. (laughs) This is too much, but yeah. I mean, I like, like like I said, I like the versatility of it. I like being Mm -hmm. able to be like, okay, I'm tired of curly hair. I just want to straighten it. Or like being like, "Mm, I'm tired of straightened hair. Straight hair. I want to curl it. I mean, and I have found myself like in the workplace having to pick one or the other, one lane or the other. And I think that that's a struggle too. As we get older, as black women, I think... The world needs to just accept the fact that this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Like the hair coming out of my head. Like when people are like, "That's unprofessional." What's but unprofessional? But I think they are because a lot of actresses. Some. It um, depends on where. It depends on the act. Now actresses, I think, I have think, more leeway to do that because I think you. You. I mean, if you're looking for a certain look, now I'm sure that there are some roles they probably cannot yeah, take. Maybe, but what I'm saying is, I don't see it where your hair just have to be straight. I can. I mean, I'm just saying. I feel like it's more accepted. It's becoming more accepted. Even like with the Miss America um, 
pageant or whatever. I think it was oh, some people yeah. that was in there with some natural I hair. I did see some, some people So I'm just seeing, like, before uh-huh. Miss America's always had probably more than likely some sew-ins. But do you ever watch the news and newscasters? None of them were it natural it hair? It hasn't transitioned, or it hasn't transitioned over to where we're at. I don't know how the news is on the on this part of the country. I think there was a case recently of, like, a news anchor who went natural on on live TV. And Did she? It was a big deal, yeah. And because it's risky. Because it, it is risky. It is risky. Because black women get fired. For they do. Wearing their natural from hair wearing their natural hair. Yeah. Every yeah. newscaster you see always has either weave in our hair, it's straight. You but never even like see. braids, like black braids. You or don't like, never see you that on. See, no. like none of that. Like I don't think, I think like I said, like actresses and maybe because of it, because of the art of it, I think sometimes you do see it first there. That's where it becomes more popular and people have the ability because you kind of, mm-hmm. like I said, you pick and choose your roles. You, I mean, and depending on who you are, you can go in and say, look, y'all not, do, y'all not processing my hair. Exactly. This is exactly how it's going to be. And you need to find somebody who can get in her and do it and then go from there, you know. Um, but a lot of them even still struggle with, like, them getting people who can come in and actually do natural hair. And, like, yeah. who actually get them ready for set and are um, it have the ability to so they do natural hair. They, they do. I know they exist. I know... I. Um, I just think it's rare. It's and I think real it's rare. Probably, it's really rare. rare. But, they do Very but like rare. example, like I've had, um, I, I since I go to court a lot, um, I, there have been people who have like attorneys and stuff who have said like that your hair is just unprofessional. To you? Yeah. Or no, they haven't told me my my hair wasn't unprofessional. I've had people walk up to me and say you look very professional, even though you your hair is like that. <gasps> I mean, she hasn't. She didn't tell me I looked unprofessional. She just in so many words she did. No, she didn't. What she was basically saying was that I found a way to make my hair not look unprofessional. I mean, no, I understand what you're saying because (laughs) my my coworkers don't like my braids, Um, and every time I take my braids out, they'll be like, "I would really like your hair like that." When I'm wearing that's what my coworkers tell me. Like, yes. When we actually, like when I wear my hair like this, you know, because it hasn't been down for a while. When I came to work like this, my coworkers, oh, see, see, I, that's what I really like. But I'm thinking, so what don't you like? Like, what did you like about the other stuff? I'm just curious. Like, what was it that you, because I'm wearing my hair straight, like, what was it about the other styles that you didn't, didn't like? And why know? do they feel so comfortable saying that? I know, right? I mean, yeah. and the thing is, it's, it's really, it's really, um, and it's even black women who will say, you know, um, the one, the lady that came up to me was black. And she was just like, I mean, you, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, you look very professional. Like, I love your look. You look so professional, even with your hair like that. How does she wear her hair? It was straight. She, she wore her hair straight. Every yes, day. that's why. So that's mm-hmm. the thing. Because like, she hasn't stepped outside of her, her box. box. Yeah, and and when you step outside of your box, she's like, okay, that's not professional. Well, yeah. I think also the idea of I'm scared to step outside of my box because as, mm-hmm. after that the conversation came along to I probably couldn't wear my hair like that. I don't know if I could pull pull off the same look and it, if I would look just as professional as you looked or like you know it was kind of that conversation that, that kind of which goes with self-confidence yeah that that self-esteem and self-confidence so um and it's crazy that our hair is that has that much power yeah but our hair has that much much power like Like, why are we even talking about this especially when i work how did you do that (laughs) and i hate people (laughs) i hate for my co-workers to put their hands in my hair oh my god touching your hair uh, 
Yeah. I just, they just gotta, I think you should just ask. I don't think you should come up to people and rub your fingers through your hair. And, and I, people ask, have like, tried to like check and see if my hair is real. Is that really your hair? Uh, yeah. Get your, <laughs> like, did I walk up to you and just put my hands so, in your hair? So black women really struggle. We really do struggle, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to stuff like that, because people always want to touch your hair and want to see. Like, like your pet or something, like, like an or, exhibit. Or, yeah. Like, how did you get that color in it? Yeah. it with braids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody walked up to me and just did this to my hair. Like, she just wanted to feel it. One of my coworkers walked up to me one day and she said, uh, I guess it had been on her mind to touch my hair. But she like, I mean, everybody else was like, eyeing it you know because when i wear it straight or curly from time to time depends and so she was like so when she finally got her hair you could feel it you could tell it was like a like a relief oh i can touch it you're not gonna get mad girl <laughs> i get mad at my people though they they walk past me and rub their fingers i say please don't put your fingers through my hair just say like something because your hands yeah in my hair like i don't even know where your hands but then naturally you don't walk hair. up to people and just touch their hair and i mean like yeah. not somebody you don't know I just think that it shouldn't be such a big deal. Like, I've gotten, like, even, like, my wraps. Like, when I wear my wraps, people are so... It's almost like... It's just ethnicity. It's just different. It does And just because it's just different doesn't make it wrong. Exactly. And I think that it should be one of those things that's so normal. Like, I think you should question yourself when you are so amazed by somebody, what someone has on their head. I, I, or what they share like. Yeah, you are yeah. normalizing it, which is good. Yes. Right, get exactly. Used to looking at me get like used this. to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I understand you don't like it, but get used to it. Okay. Right. And that's so important, just like forcing ourselves to be accepted. And exactly. Like I'm speaking. I mean, like I have looser curls, but I mean, just black women in general, especially with like tighter curl patterns, you know, just going out there and saying. Deal with it. Deal right. with it. You know, like, this, this is, is what me. I got. Mm-hmm. This is what I got for you. Right. Deal with this it. is what I'm showing up yeah, with. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I do love the I, I do love the fact that black men have kind of gotten onto the bus too, and they will compliment you with natural hair. With natural hair. Because before they, oh, they will love it. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are like, I absolutely love your hair. I've even had past black men. I've had white men who are like, your hair looks amazing. Like. How did like they don't they're not like how did you get it like that they just are like really like you look really pretty I love your hair so I like the idea I like the fact that it is becoming normalized it's sad that it's one of those things that like I said you can't change what the hair te- I mean you can change the texture I guess you can but I shouldn't be forced to have to change my hair texture simply to appease people it makes me think about that um Sanaa Lathan movie oh, which one what is that called um the one where she did with the natural hair. Oh, ha- ha- uh, happy to be happy ending happy. or napoli. Happy oh, napoli, napoli, napoli ever after. after. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Napoli <laughs> ever after. Exactly. I mean, because she was like getting yes. up and like having to get up and try to curl her hair before her man got behind yeah, her mama. Her boyfriend. Like, yeah. <laughs> but there are some women who literally don't take a sewing out of their head, who wear their hair like that. I don't know that story. Like, when you first start dating. When you first start dating someone, but you're talking to somebody. I've heard of people who are married, who are married, (laughs) and and their husbands have never seen their natural hair. Yes, I have too. Or, you know, because they get up and naturally get, up and get a curl it and, and put curl makeup on before, before yeah. their husband like, get I'm up. I'm going to spend the night about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to see this. This wrap. Because I'm going to go on it. Initially, when you first <laughs> meet somebody, I'm, you know, you go to bed like this. You be wanting to wrap that hair, but you want to wake up cute. So you're going to go to bed like, yeah. Then you sleep. 
Like, <laughs> let me make sure you don't, you know. Look, look. I, I do mine out like this. Right. Wake up, I can just be like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> Let's straighten that out. Like, all right. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of pressure. That's crazy. It's that much pressure. Like, that's just adding hair. one more for hair. Mm-hmm. One more thing that we have to worry about yeah. as a black woman. Yeah. So. It's been a good conversation. Well, tell you got to have to tell your name, your platforms, and where people can actually get in contact with you. Yeah, so uh, my name is St. Clair Dietrich Jules, um, and the photo book I'm working on, Dear Chloe, Love Letters to My Little Sister, will be released in spring 2020, so um, in a couple months this year. And um, if you want to follow the project, the website is www.dearchloe.com. So D-E-A-R-K-H-L-O-E.com. Um, the Twitter page for Dear Chloe is just at Dear Chloe, all one word. Instagram is Dear underscore Chloe. And um, also on Facebook at um, facebook.com backslash Dear Chloe. Same we need thing. to follow you. Like we gotta follow you before we leave. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just want to say you. that your little sister is so lucky to have a big sister like you. Thank that's you. That's just dedicating so much and like these projects to her. That that is so amazing. That is nice. I so is this like that. the only thing you do? Like, do you like have a job outside of this? Are you like juggling all of this? <laughs> yeah, I um. So I do tutoring, which is where I was earlier today before you guys came here. Oh, okay. Um, and so that's nice because it's just part-time and I get to sort of make my own schedule and then okay that's also like, gives me the income I need to to like continue working on your project, project. okay okay yeah. right. okay nice nice I can't wait for the book Thank uh, you. well definitely buy one and then one of my um I was getting my hair done before I came and um I was telling her where we were going and her daughter's name was Chloe um and so I sent her your page and then I sent her your website and I was like, so when it comes out, like, um, if she doesn't get it, I'll make sure her daughter gets one, too. So, um, yeah, so there's two books for us already. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, because, like I said, it's a really amazing book. That is a really nice book. And a lot of people haven't done that yet for us, um, given us that light exactly. and shine, shine that light on us. So I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. And I mean, I'm, it was definitely like a collaborative effort with like and your, all your photography books. skills. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and we wanted to take pictures here. If we would have knew you took pictures. Oh, yeah. yeah. What time do you leave tomorrow? At 10 in the morning. Yeah. Oh, man. I Not know. prepared. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have to come back. Like I said, yes. let us know when you're, um, when like you're having some of your release parties and we're exactly. working on And since we yes. do know you're a photographer, well, yeah. we can work through Exactly. That. Yeah. Yes. So, want to close us out? I will. Um, so, you guys know we're on Seattle. Oh, let me do this. So tomorrow, when we get back, we have a live podcast at Ice Event Center. Um, we will be talking about peace in the community, which lines up perfect with what tomorrow is, which is MLK Day. Um, but we will have finished that part of things. And then we will be doing, um, gearing up for our February 14th um, event. For so, so uh-huh. guys. Yes. Capri and Dante are still going on a date. I still need guys to inbox me who yes. would love to go on a date with these two ladies. And no pressure, no pressure. You know, no pressure at all. It'll be natural. I promise we won't put too much on you. No, and they're 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 sweet. Even I know you guys. If you listen to the podcast.
<laughs> be okay. They'll be okay on the dates. We'll make sure they behave and all of that. We'll behave guys. themselves. And I'll even dress up for a date. Exactly. I'll even get an outfit to dress up for a date. Yes. I'll do that. Because I have a bad, um, horrible um, thing about buying new outfits for stuff. So that'll give me a reason to buy a new outfit. See? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes. That will um, be on the and then, 14th. Yes, but we'll be selecting people by the 31st of January. So you still have time to go ahead and um, inbox us and let us know um, if you're interested in that. Inbox Mika, please. No calling. Please do not call me through Messenger or Instagram. Please just send me a message. Just send her a message say, hey, I'm interested in, and she'll get you. Um, and then, um, again, then we have the actual episode of the live that we'll be doing following that for Valentine's Day at Pony Boys um, in the city. That is our first show at Pony Boys, so we are looking to make it big, yes. um, bring some people out, because um, they're welcoming us in their space, so we appreciate that too. And then, the um, then we'll still be doing lives every third Monday, Monday at Ice Event Center. Um, you guys can catch us on Seattle Hip Hop Radio every Monday and Friday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, Tony, thank you. We appreciate you. We will forever appreciate you um, and your platform. Thank you for allowing us to be heard on your platform every week. Um, and then you guys just download that. It's um, SeattleHipHopRadio.com or you can um, download the app on your mobile devices. And then we are on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We release a new episode every Sunday. Um, so you guys will hear this episode next Sunday. We'll be back in the city and all rested up hopefully by then. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, but um, if you guys don't catch it on that Sunday when we release it, it is there for you guys to listen to going forward. So... Um, I think that's everything. Oh, no. We're on Instagram, Mocha Tea Podcast, Facebook, Mocha Tea Podcast, Twitter, Mocha Tea Podcast. And if you have any inquiries or want to reach out to us, it's mochat2018 at gmail.com. And that's everything. It is. All right. And we're out. Peace.